does. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Morphin' Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Here we go. I don't know if you're ready for a throwback Thursday on a Friday, recorded on a Wednesday. Get your flow charts out to follow along with all the action at home. It's like a nursery rhyme now. It is. And Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. <laughs> That's exactly what we're doing. And super special episode because normally we just have one person missing. That's why it's the throwback. Right. Because we're taking this show back to 2015. Back when we first started. And I know what you're saying. Man, it's almost 2020. You guys have been doing this a long time. And I'm like, I know. We're OG. We are. So, I don't know if I want to spoil. So we're just going to say... Um, okay. I, I'm not going to spoil it, uh, but we're going to say, uh, do you want to Bruce do Willis was dead at the whole movie? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's totally true. Uh, would you like to do the honors this week? Of... Would, would you like to, to, uh, to, to cue the house band? Oh, oh, oh yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, you, you should know it's coming because yeah. someone's been missing is still missing. So, right. hit it, Rockabella. Yeah. Sing along at home. There it is. Follow the bouncing Follow ball. The bouncing ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, she sneaks around the world. Sneaks around the world. The finishing move on as. Here it comes. Is Julian San Diego? Did we ever figure out where the fuck this place is at? We sure didn't, buddy. No, we sure didn't. And maybe sure one day, didn't. Maybe one day he'll be back. I also I need to send a shout out to Julian, by the way, who mm-hmm. uh, sent me an Instagram message today from you know the eighth la- mm-hmm. layer of hell, wherever he it is that he is. <laughs> um, he sent me a message, and it was literally just he shared a profile with me mm-hmm. uh, because he knows. That uh, I am missing. There's a tiny person-shaped hole in my heart where Little Miss <laughs> is gone. And he sent me an Instagram profile that is um, uh, the official Tiny Texie. Oh. Who is literally just a uh, – she's 27. A challenger has yeah. entered the ring? Uh, you ready for this? Here is the, uh, here's the, the description. There's the bio. Bio. Uh, 27 years old, 3 foot 6 inches, first place, Miss Petite Nude North America. Hey, so uh, I sent him back a, a thing that just said, you know me. 
<laughs> so, you get me. Yeah, he really does, and I was really, really excited by that. That was that was great. Um, so the only thing I now want to start to complain about is the uh, the censorship on Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag free the nipple. Yes, uh, completely unrelated to the twenty uh, seven year old three foot six uh, Miss Nude Petite uh, that Julian sent me on Instagram. Uh, let's talk about Instagram's uh, curmudgeony uh, nudity laws mm-hmm. or guidelines. They're not laws, but uh, anyway, yeah, we're throwing it back to twenty fifteen because uh, if you notice that the show flows a little bit better and we're not going to talk about things that we read on Reddit. Uh, it's because Koran... Oh, we're not? Oh, no, hold on. We're not. Re- rewrite my tarot right Yeah, now. you got to redo the entire thing. Uh, so we're not going to be talking about wrestling, uh, this time, which I'm as guilty as that. Last week we, uh, we had a, <laughs> like an entire half the show was wrestling. Uh, but I'm not at all surprised. Yeah, I know it was it was fun though. Like we did our own uh, because you know the WWE is doing their draft next week, and we did our own talk nerdy to me WWE draft. I took Raw, Koran took SmackDown, and we drafted wrestlers to make a roster, and we have two pretty competitive rosters. So. Anyway, that's last week. This is this week, and I hope everybody really uh, is not attached to the opening of the show because it's going to go away for a little bit because I don't Mm -hmm. know if you know this or not, but uh, by the time we come back around next week, it's going to be the spooky month. It's going to be October, and that means whole new intro. You know that's right. Well, returning favorite intro. Yeah, and someone's uh, lazy and hasn't written a new. No, one. it's good. I like the one that we had last year uh, because it features, as we got to talk to him a couple weeks ago, dear mm-hmm. friend of the show, John Kassir, voice of the Crypt Keeper. Oh yeah, uh, we got to actually uh, Koran and I ran into him um, as we were leaving, and he was coming in, and we got to spend you know a few minutes just talking to him. And I told him I was like, man, a couple years ago you were here. And, um, you know, you recorded a, uh, an intro for our podcast and he's like, I remember that. And he was like, it was really well, it was really good. I had a great time doing it. So, um, I gave him one of the cards and he recalled the name before I could give him the card. And, That's awesome. And here, so here's the thing. If you are listening to the show, if you are one of our, um, many listeners, then you are all, you are among John Kassir, voice of the Crypt Keeper, because he has listened to our show before. Uh, he has listened to our show. He is a listener of Talk Nerdy to Me. So, thank you, sir, and we yeah. apologize. Uh, yeah, thank you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, you are in good company uh, if you listen to Talk Nerdy to Me. So, isn't that cool? I like I like it. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, uh, if they made, I saw that Funko was making a um, a creep show. Yeah. Pop. So, if they ever make a Crypt Keeper pop. Then you know, I feel like that's gotta be in the works. The problem is, the rights to Tales from the Crypt are almost as jacked up as the rights to Friday the Thirteenth. But but you're not trying to make a whole new show. You just want to license that character. So to me, that opens options. Do you want to do like straight up the TV version? Because that's well, like Universal. I'm assuming. Yeah, it Um, might be HBO. Oh shit, that's right. Because yeah. HBO, I think, I think it is HBO. I think they have the rights just to that design of the character. I think that was part of it when they when M Night Shyamalan was trying to reboot 
the show. It was like three different companies owned three different aspects of Tales from the Crypt. That's right. And one company specifically owns the Crypt Keeper, but if they like, if and this is just my assumption of my best understanding of this is if they were to make one a pop of the, the crypt keeper, they would need to mm-hmm. go through one company for the design of the crypt keeper. And then another company to use tales from the crypt on the box and see that you wouldn't even need. Yeah. The crypt keeper. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It would be great. Couldn't you, couldn't they also license it from the comic books? Maybe. I, 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 I think it's because the design is the TV show. I right. don't think you can cry. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, well, what I was going to say was because I'm pretty sure you could you could just license the comic book right. design, which is not exact the same as a TV show. Yeah, but um, anyway, John Cassier. No, I, I still yeah yeah John Cassier, great guy. Uh, happy to have him amongst our. Thank friends. you for your continued um, support, sir. And also, uh, I don't know. I need to post this on the page because uh, I, I had uh, a really exciting thing happen last week. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. A real exciting thing happened earlier this week. Uh, it was not <laughs> taped and then played back. Um, I got to sit down along with dear friend of the show, Tony Rose, and we got to interview Lou Diamond Phillips. It's fine. And my favorite part of this interview is we get all the way to like the end, and I, I asked him. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time. We only had like four and a half minutes. So... I had one question to ask him, and I think I had a very poignant, very good question. But we get to the very end, and we're like, at- "Young Guns reunion." Oh, I wish. Uh, <laughs> and and Tony, like, he stops and he's like, "Now before we go, he's like, before we let you out of here, there's something we got to bring up." He said, "Now you were the host of a very memorable Mad TV segment." And he's like, I don't know if you remember this. And, and, you know, Lou Diamond Phillips is like, oh, well, you know, which one? Because I remember I loved, uh, you know, I was on Mad TV. I hosted it. It was great. Which one? And so I told the story of there was a point where you were kidnapped by mm-hmm. these Mexican wrestlers. By Will Sasso. Yeah. And you're going to have to listen to the rest of the interview to hear what happens. But I'm just going to say. Oh, hey. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. yeah. No. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to. I mean, to get him to listen to it. Like, I, I'm just. I'm just gonna say, uh, you know what what skit we're referencing. Uh, you know what soundbite that we play all the time. And if you don't, um, you know we. All I can tell you. No plugs. No plugs. No plugs for La Bamba. It's been a minute since we referenced it. Man, that is mint. That is just old school right there. But uh, I want you to know that before we left the interview, we brought up no plugs for La Bamba to oh, La Bamba. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to hear the reaction, you got to go to our Facebook page and um, listen to the soundbite of the Tony Rose show and myself interviewing Lou Diamond Phillips. So uh, it's almost like it was, you know, I've had the chance to, uh, through that interview, a lot of like really, really cool people, uh, some of which we've shared on the show and some of which we have not. But that one 
because of that reference and because we play that soundbite all the time, that one was special. Because we have for so long. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it's been school. It's been like two years. <laughs> we like we've played that. Bless you. We played that like since the beginning of the show. Like it's been uh, five years. We've played no plugs for Obama. I think that was the first recurring bit on the show. <laughs> it was. So, uh, you know, after I, after I fangirl uh, all about talking to Lou Diamond Phillips, um, yeah, we bring up No Plugs for La Bamba and just amazing, just wonderful. I made it a point to ask him to get the MP3 of that just so I could have that forever uh, <laughs> because it was, it was like I, I geeked out. But um that as soon as we get that uh, dat tape recording of the yeah. Jack Horton yeah. theme song, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. dick, um, that dick Jason Reitman. Now I've got a blood feud with him. <laughs> now that's a blood feud if I've ever had one. So that that it, it's yeah, it's real. Uh, I unfortunately, um, you know, hammered. Uh, oh crap, crap. Uh, we're gonna pretend. I, I unfortunately wedged that uh, Blue Diamond Phillips name drop in there because I had a really great segue uh, Mm -hmm. where we were talking about the Crypt Keeper, um, the Crypt Keeper, like the rights to Crypt Mm -hmm. Keeper Mm -hmm. and how, you know, the the different parties having rights and stuff. And I was going to say, I'm no lawyer, but in the realm of intellectual property court, uh, we had something come down this week. We did. Do you want to do you want to jump into that now? That, 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 that was going to be my segue. We can put that one afterwards because well, I feel like there's pause more it for meat. Just a second. Yeah, there's more yeah. meat on that one than there is the other one thing that we're talking about. Well, and, and before we get, Corhan uh, uh, did okay. your uh, Scarefest roundup last yeah. week, uh, but I didn't get to be on that. That's right. Yeah, so you did not. I'm going to pull that back up for just a second because yeah. well, I have. So so at at ScaryCon. Yeah. Um, ScaryCon 2019. Yep. Uh, I, I debuted uh, my Jason Voorhees costume, right. which seemed to go over pretty well. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done a costume that completely covered my face. Right. Uh, like full hood and hockey mask. Like, unless you didn't know that was me wearing that costume, you could not tell that was me. Um, so it was, I had an interesting <laughs> handful of experiences. Uh, uh, first of all, and I just want to share with our listeners, if, you ever, if you're ever thinking of wearing a costume that completely covers your face, um, it's really fun as Jason Voorhees to just follow people and start breathing heavily. Yeah, right. Uh, it's also really fun to just stand really still like against a wall and then randomly turn your head when somebody walks by. Uh, like it's just fun fucking with people. Uh, yes. Uh, however, the flip side of that comes when you're trying to meet celebrities and you're still wearing the full hood. Yeah. Uh, I had the honor of meeting, um, Felicia from uh sleepaway camp and the, the mangled penis expert on Joe Bob Briggs at the drive. Um, or sorry, Joe Bob Briggs' last drive-in. That's the one. Uh, who was amazing and super sweet and uh, was very happy to be flanked by two Jasons. Um, just took a, a bunch of photos with us. It was awesome. Uh, and then it didn't, <laughs> didn't dawn on me until afterwards when I'm looking at the photos. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have no idea that's me in any of these photos. Right. Because even when I take the hockey mask off, the hood I had still covers my face. Yeah. So uh, there's 
John Colin Gritton and some guy <laughs> see that that's the thing that I, I should have warned you about that before because as someone who has has cosplayed as spider-man uh, mm. who has the face shell over the face um, so no one can tell that it's me which is number one the most freeing cosplay ever because you can literally oh, do, yeah. like just about anything and there's no like a, immediate accountability that someone's like that's the guy Um <laughs> So like it, it, it you kind of it, it's easier to lose yourself in the character when mm-hmm. you don't have like like when there's something covering your face and like you're kind of that faceless character which is awesome, um, but yeah you kind of want to do like nothing else other than that costume and then change out to do all the other mm-hmm. stuff because yeah like you're right like if I were to get a picture with somebody dressed as spy like you'd have to take my word for it that it's me yeah. Um, you have to be like, you can tell by the face mask and the bulge there that it's me. Um, that's the only <laughs> way. That's the only way you can tell that that one's me as opposed to the other well, and, 50 Spider-Men that are there. And what really upset me um, in the same category, I also met, uh, a.k.a. the dreamiest Tommy Jarvis. Uh, because he's he's in Halloween Part Six, and I was doing Jason from Part Halloween. Wow! Yeah, I was like, wait <laughs> a second. The 13th. You want to rephrase he, that just real quick? Because he invented Michael Myers, and <laughs> <laughs> jokes for two. Yeah, uh, so I love it. We're doing a show for two right two. now. I met Tom. <laughs> I met Tom Matthews. Uh, I met Tom Welling from <laughs> Halloween Part Six. <laughs> met Tom Matthews from Friday Part Six, who plays the dreamiest version of Tommy Jarvis. I said it. That's true. That's uh, fair. Yeah, come at me, Feldman. Um, it was awesome because he was excited because it was his Jason, and he again super nice guy. Signed my autograph. He, I even, uh, and I'll tell you the, the details, but he he signed it uh, to Maggothead. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was awesome, and I got some great pictures with him. It was fun, you know. But again, really me in the costume because my face is completely covered uh, at all times. And then the other awkward part of when you go see a celebrity get an autograph, you get that. Granted, it's not you know like a, a meet and greet, but you get that you know thirty seconds, two minutes, whatever of. FaceTime with the celebrity of like shaking their hand and, and say, you know, Hey, thanks for coming out. It's great to meet you. And you know, whatever you know, and say, Hey, how's it going? What's your name? Like, you know, yeah, that just kind of like that interaction, right? Yeah. Not so much when you're wearing a full latex hood and a hockey mask. Now see, and yeah, uh, the, uh, P pants Gritton has the right idea where he's got the one with the face carved out. Yeah. So it's not like the full face covering, <laughs> Uh, say what you want. The man will destroy your couch, but he makes a good point about face masks. <laughs> he does. He lifts the hawk up, and you can, he's, he's, he's free and clear. I love that um, you're using the terms, by the way. I love it. He, uh, he had to be my intermediary because uh, I couldn't speak directly to Tom because you couldn't hear me. So like, I had to get right up on grit yep. and then like, <laughs> what did you say? Tom decided to make it hurt. I think he said he wants you to. It was weird meeting a celebrity through an intermediary. Yeah, I, I've had that. The only experience that I can relate to that is uh, either dressing as Power Rangers or as Spider-Man and having mm-hmm. having what uh, what we lovingly refer to as a handler. 
Um, yep. Where it's like, oh, like you see a cosplay that's really cool, but like you can't make the motions to be like, hey, right. you picture me, and like question mark. And mm-hmm. uh, so there's someone with me that's like, hey, hey, will you take a picture with the Spider-Man? And then, yep. so yeah, like I totally get that where it's like you need somebody to translate for you. <laughs> That's uh, just wanted to share that. Uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience. No, it's uh, fun, and it's it's one of those things that you can only, um, like you can only experience by doing it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you won't get that experience by like yeah, you, like it, it's it's funny to hear it secondhand. You're like, oh yeah, man, I went to the convention, and you know, I had to, you know, I had to do that. But like experiencing <laughs> it, yeah, totally different, and I totally get it. And while you're bringing up experiences, uh, the the crown jewel on top of what was Scarefest for me, uh, besides getting to hang out with Captain Chris, uh, was getting to meet Bruce Campbell, which was awesome. Because I, and again, like, still can't believe how cheap his prices were. Um, Photo, the, the like professional photo op, 15 bucks. Fifty bucks. That's not I'm like that's that's stupid cheap because because to go get a picture with Kane Hodder was ninety five. Yeah, that uh, I still I get it that it was uh, in costume, but like still that's a bit much. I get that even less because like, dude, okay, like if I'm gonna go meet Kane Hodder, I want a picture of me and Kane Hodder because I can go get a picture with part seven, eight, or nine Jason. Yeah, at any horror con, I'll find one of them somewhere. That's true. Like, because again. You're not going to know that's Kane Hodder. Nope, You're just going to have to take their word for it. Take my word for it. That's Kane Hodder. He's a dick. Under all that mask and makeup, that's really him. But uh, no, anyway. We uh, Very first photo op on Saturday, we were right at the front of the line. And we had this scheme, uh, me and Pete Pants Britton, yeah. uh, that we wanted to get Bruce to wear a proton bag. Oh, now you're on a first-name basis with him. Oh, uh, yeah, my good friend Bruce. Me and Bruce. Me and Bruski. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, so we we had the the Western Western Kentucky Ghostbusters has a pack that we lovingly refer to as the photo pack. Yep. Uh, not because it looks great in photos, but because it's super lightweight. Uh, so when people ask if they can put on a pack and take a photo with it, it's what we go with. Yeah, and I believe it was yours at one point. Yeah, it was made for a tiny person like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I upgraded my stuff and well scott cox helped me upgrade my stuff Mm -hmm. commander scott helped me uh upgrade my stuff it uh it kind of became the like free-for-all like donated to the team pack it's like a vacuum form plastic shell on my particle board motherboard so it's like super lightweight the whole thing together weighs maybe 20 pounds um, so, so that's, you know, we weren't asking him to throw on like a 65 pound aluminum motherboard, like full on pack. Um, but so we're, we're in the line full gear. We get there and then, you know, everyone's explaining like, you know, Bruce runs the photo op. So whatever Bruce says he wants to do, just you, you're going to do what Bruce wants to do. Yeah. That's how it goes. And we're like, all right, cool. We're down with that. Yep. Um, so we come around the corner and I, I, you know, it, they stress, this is not a meet and greet. You're here for a photo opportunity. You know, don't try to like converse or start up, you know, you're, you're, you're in and out. So I'm trying to be quick. And I'm, uh, Mr. Campbell's awesome to meet you. I uh, was wondering if you wouldn't mind wearing a proton pack. It's super light. Uh, you know, and I'm like in the middle of my speech and he stops me mid sentence in full on Bruce, you know, at swagger. 
man, I'm not wearing that shit. <laughs> to which, of course, it's like, okay, cool. And it just, you know, literally just like tossed it on the floor. I was like, cool, let's get this photo then. The committee was just like, okay, you said, no, cool, we're done. Uh, so he he positioned us where we want and we take a photo and that's all good. Uh, and the photo turned out really nice. Yeah, um, I was I was very happy with it. Uh, but looking at that photo, I was like, because the plan was on Sunday, I was going to go meet him again and get an autograph. And I was going to just get like an 8x10 from Evil Dead or Briscoe Kenny Jr. or something and have him <laughs> sign that. And the more I looked at this picture, I was like, no, this this needs to be memorialized. Yeah. So I went back with the photo. Um, and I won't get into the whole line for the photo or to the autograph line situation. That's a whole different topic. But finally get up to meet him and uh, I show him the photo and, you know, get that like two minutes quick, shake his hand, say it's nice to meet you. And I try to like refresh his memory of, of the story. I met you yesterday and I know you took a million photographs. I don't expect you to remember me because uh, at this point I wasn't in uniform again either. Um, but I you know, put the photo in front of him and had a little poster with my name on it so he knew who to make it out to. Yep. And I was like... Hey, photo up a lot inside the photo, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you wanted me to put that shit on, didn't you?" Yeah. It's like it's funny you should say that. I was like, "Could you please sign it?" Uh, uh, I'm not wearing that shit, uh, and he goes, "Absolutely, man." So it, it says, "John, I'm not not being underlined wearing that shit, Bruce." Yep. And I, I think he appreciated that I wasn't butthurt that I, you know I, I, he wouldn't put a pack on, and I, I got it, and you know, kind of jabbing, uh, but he was super nice. So I now have uh, an autographed. For named eight by ten of me meeting Bruce Campbell and him saying he's not going to wear that shit. All in good fun, and that makes for a really great story. And yeah, just really, really good. So that's has me up. That's my. I just wanted to share. That. No, that was really good. I like that. I, I like that story because I I know when you when we came back around and you were like, man, I just walked up and he was like, I'm not wearing that shit. And I was like, yep, that's a good con story. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. So yeah, and now like it. memorialized for all forever. Good stuff. So I'll stop bringing up topics from last week. No, it's okay. It's okay because yeah, you're right. Like you did miss the the scare fest, the scary con, uh, chit chat, chatter, and so it because uh, I was I I had it in my mind that I was like I'm going to ask him about. His scary con moments, and then I completely forgot because my brain is like mush. Nah, that's all I get, man. Mush. And, um, you know, I'm really lucky that I remembered to put pants on when I went to work today, so it's fine. (laughs) That's the best. I got up at five, so it was like, I hope I'm wearing pants. Um, But, you know, it's a thing. (sighs) And uh, if you're wondering where I was last week, if you follow us on. Facebook. You'll know exactly where I was. Yeah. That I would have much rather been on the show. <laughs> That's what happens when you bet yeah. against Tom Brady. And I will, hey, uh, for the record, yeah. I do not welch on a bet. <sighs> no, and no one would ever accuse you of doing that. I also do want it noted for the record um, that we had a whole big discussion about posting videos uh, on the Facebook page. Mm hmm. And so I didn't because somebody, I'm not going to name names because I'm not mm-hmm. here to call anybody out, but somebody said, okay, if you're going to do Wednesday and you're going to post a video on Wednesday, I'll do either Thursday or Friday. Never confirmed one. So I mm-hmm. waited 
Mm-hmm. That person ended up not doing any of them. Mm-hmm. But because I waited, I ended up not doing any of them. And now here we are halfway through the next week and we still haven't done any. So uh, tomorrow I'm going to go ahead and do one. I'm just going to call it, which uh, yesterday. Nice. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. Yesterday I'm going to go ahead and do one. <laughs> uh, by the time this goes up, it'll be Friday. So yesterday, there you go. yesterday mm-hmm. I did one. Uh, so it's a thing. Um, I've got a bunch on deck. So okay. Okay. Good. Good. Ready good. to go. Uh, and by the way, uh, topics. Happy. Uh, it, this was uh, on the day that we recorded this. By the way, Happy National Comic Book Day. Hey. Which is uh, which is two days ago, but actually today. <laughs> Again, get the it's close. every day when you're Obi John Kenobi. That's true. Because uh, every Wednesday I look forward to a snap that is new comic book day mm-hmm. with your like 85 comics that you get. <laughs> this last week was bad. Uh, yeah. It had been about three weeks worth of buildup because I didn't go the week of Scare Fest and I hadn't gone like the week before that. And yeah. I had to get back. So I finally found the library ghost pop from the Ghostbusters. Yeah, the I new saw that. Ghostbusters wave, which do the detailing on that is fantastic. That's that's going to be a video. Uh, but the, the paint apps on that herb, like the way it, it gradients from painted to translucent, like it's a really, really good sculpt. That's excellent. They they did a really good job, especially compared to the last Ghostbusters wave. The new one is is really good. See, I said I wasn't going to buy the guys again, and then I saw all of them in person because A plus has the whole. They're good. Wave. They're good. The, the poses detailing are awesome. on those is, is incredible, and yeah, so. Deal all four of them or something. Well, I, need, no, I I dropped like eighty bucks last week. So I need to yeah. uh, I need to get one more of the second wave of the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. uh, because I can that way I need I need to start and work swaps. on the yeah I need to start work on the custom figures Hells, yeah. that I will be making at some point um, because. As you know, I am in mm-hmm. the uh, Ghostbuster prop-making mood. Yes, you are. Uh, I am, like, balls deep in it. Um, and it looks fantastic. Which, uh, next week is uh, sanding and the first part of painting. Uh, so expect a lot of updates. Uh, <laughs> expect a lot of photo updates because I got... Uh, there should be... I'm waiting on one more piece uh, that is probably going to get shipped out tomorrow... And then when that one comes in next week, I'm going to start sanding and painting and like assembling. Uh, I'm not close like that close to being done, but I'm going to learn a lot about uh, wiring LEDs because mm-hmm. uh, like I'm going all out with this thing. So we'll see what happens. Um. But, yeah, yeah, it's going to be good, and uh, so stay tuned for that. I, I might that might be one of my videos uh, next week. Might be a sneak peek of of what's to come. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it might just be me playing Mortal Kombat 11 and sucking. I don't know. You just don't know. But. think oh there you are sorry yeah. I had a lot of- no you're all good i think uh i think we'll jump right in yeah so which the way? weather is supposed to be turning uh, uh you can't you can't say that word weather yeah oh you did it again because we have the alarm remember 
Is there a weather alarm? It's raining, Yeah, there is. We haven't used it in a long time. I, I could not be expected to remember all the alarms. Set There's up. only two. There's only There's two. There's too many. There's too many. That's, that's enough. That's too many. I'm putting the hammer down. Enough. Oh, oh wait. Oh. oh, man. Hold on. Let me go alphabetical here. <laughs> These things are alphabetical, and I can't scroll that fast. But Look, if you want to survive on the top during to a podcast, there's certain words not to say. You can't. You can't do it. Can't say weather. You can't say I'm. Can't say, I could. I could do the other weather alert. Uh, you could. We Whenever we do that one, that needs that to one's be a bit more recent. <clears throat> click, click, click. Uh, and whatever you do, whatever you do, if you're a guest on Side Nerdy to me, never say I'll be right back. No, because you won't be back. And you never, uh, never come on and just uh, talk about the the shit that you do. Because uh, we're not here to let's let you come on and do a commercial. Because as we've already said, no plugs, no plugs <laughs> no for La Bamba. There's none, not even for Lou Diamond Phillips. If you listen no. to the uh, the interview, uh, yes, this has no been uh, <laughs> Captain Chris's soundboard. Yes, thank you for playing along. There's so <laughs> many more. I got the one for next week. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, but. So, supposedly, yeah. the yeah. seasons have changed. I don't think it sets off any alarms. I don't think it does uh, <laughs> The leaves are supposed to be falling. Yeah. The temperature is supposed to be dropping. It's there not because it we're in Kentucky and it's nope. still fucking 90 degrees outside and string hot. And yeah. Leaves are dying, but not in a pretty way. Anyway, nope. uh, that can only mean one thing. Fall's almost here. Yep. New TV shows are almost Woo. here. And or returning favorites are almost here. Yeah. But in the sea of content, what's actually worth your time? Right. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about the first segment of today's show. Yeah, I know uh, CBS and I think every network this week, they're back. I think everything is back this week. Uh, If they haven't already started, I know some of the cable channels started last week, but I think network is this week, and then there's a couple shows that start next week, but very few. This week is the primary week for everything to start, except for, oddly enough, Big Brother, which ends, which is already over now by the time people will hear this. <laughs> I don't get it, but whatever. Uh, Counter-programming. Yeah. nothing else on the summer. Yes. Bring yeah. back Hell's Kitchen. Um, oh, man. But, uh, yeah, it's it's the new new season. All your summer shows... All the summer reruns are gone. The fall lineup is back. And I want to shout out one specifically. Okay. I want to. St- I've only got two, so. Spotlight on. A show that I don't really like, but this season I'm super into. <laughs> uh, the new season of American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. Which is basically it's a 1980s slasher. And I'm going to go ahead and preface this by saying that uh, uh, having only seen the first episode so far at the time of this recording, not only is Dick Cheney alive, but I've only seen the first episode (laughs) because the second episode literally airs tonight. So I haven't seen it. Uh, But they throw every slasher movie trope into the, 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 the season premiere. 
I it's almost a lot said, of tropes. I almost said pilot, but it's like, I, and immediately it was funny because we were watching it, and I said, now where's the guy that's going to say they're all doomed? And here comes uh, friggin' uh, Patrick Swayze's brother, who's a oh, mechanic, shit. and he's like, you're all going to die if you go there, blah, 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 like, uh, as on cue. Like, I was calling the cues, <laughs> like, all the beats. I'm like, here's where You were the... directing the show, just down in the director's it, it felt like it, because I'm like, okay, here's the point where you're going to have a jump scare. And it's like a cat or something, and here comes a jump scare. And I'm like, now here comes the guy that's going to say you're all doomed. It's the prophet. He's going to say you're all doomed. And here comes the guy that says they're all doomed. I'm like, now this is going to happen. It's like you have the red herrings of, like, it, it, it's like literally Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and the 78 Halloween like you have the escaped mental patient, you have the serial killer in town, you have everybody volunteering at a camp, um, you have the camp counselor, you have the uh, uh, like the urban legend of this happened at the camp, and then you have like all of these different things that are like there's that, there's that trope, there's that trope, mm-hmm. there's there's the token black guy, there's the jock, there's the there's the slut, there's the whatever girl, there's this, there's that, and it's like they hit every single trope and you know what despite all of that where normally you would like roll your eyes and be like come on it all works really really well and i'm super pumped for the next episode so do you think they'll continue that or is that we crammed all that in the first episode because now we're going to start to play with conventions i think now that everything's established Mm mm-hmm that it, it, they're going to lighten up on some of those tropes. I think they were just trying to get like as much stuff in to set the base, like to set the right. tone. And now you're going to kind of, you know, cause they've got like, you know, 11 or 12 more episodes to play with it now. Right. So you've got like the, uh, you've got like the, um, the, the nurse, the camp nurse that like knows all the secrets and stuff and knows all the backstory. And then you have the, uh, the person who you don't know is actually involved, but is really involved and like all the stuff that you're like, yep, there's that trope. Oh, that's from Friday the 13th part four. That's from Halloween. That's from this. That's from that. And you're like, you can pick out all the tropes and you're like, it's kind of low hanging fruit, but it does a really, really good job of setting the pace and setting the tone. So that hopefully going forward. Now, if I come back next week and I'm like, it was just like brutal how they just they they won't stop hitting all the tropes. I don't think they're going to do that though. Well, and you also got to if they didn't hit all those in the first episode, all we'd be hearing about is oh they're trying to be eighty slashers, but they don't have this or this right, or this or this. Exactly. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So I, like the, the 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 good part about it is like it's different enough that I'm interested and I want to watch, but it's comfortable enough that I'm like, I'm very familiar with everything. And like, it hits the ground. Like I can hit the ground running, watching it because like, it feels like this is a Friday, the 13th that I wish we had. This is, you know, like this scratches that itch of horror movie set at camp with good production value and interesting characters that, yeah, a lot of them are very one-dimensional so far, but mm-hmm. but they've got room to grow in the next 8, 10, 11 episodes. So okay. I get and, – and that, that, that was – I saw some of the criticism is like, they're just one-dimensional, right? And it's like, yeah, you've, you're basically <laughs> on 42 minutes of yeah. programming, like 42 minutes of content right now. You have to know that 
they're going to get more character development than any slasher movie character because they're just going to have more minutes. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, if that was if you're 42 minutes into a feature film and that's all you, yeah, you should be worried because right. it, it's not much. Yeah, but yeah, you like you said, you've got at least. 10 and more episodes to go. Right. That's another 10 hours of, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a marathon guys. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been like first in line multiple times to criticize American horror story and how it falls into just the easy way of doing it. And the reveals that it thinks are great are not. If you've ever seen a, a scary movie ever, then you can pretty much see a lot of these uh, twists and turns coming. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching the first episode of the first season when we were living in the townhouse with Koran. Yep. And just being like, I've seen this before. This is this is before I got big into horror, which is like the last two and a half years really that I like started brushing up on horror. Like at that point, horror for me was like alien and Halloween. That was about it. Like that was my wheelhouse. And even then I was like, you know, watching uh, the murder house murder house season, I was like, I've seen all this before. Like there's nothing yeah, I was very unimpressed. I did go back and rewatch all season one. It did get better, but it still felt like it ran like three episodes longer than it should have. Yeah. Like the story was done, but the show kept going. Um, and I started watching Asylum. And I don't think I got word to uh, And everyone I talked to, uh, especially Julian, like you know, every season, like the good thing and the bad thing about it is every season it's an anthology. Every season's a different, different characters. Yeah, some seasons are great, some seasons are not. So, yeah, I'm stuck in that. Should I just sit there and binge the whole show? Should I just watch the ones people say you're good? Like, you know, my I'm really hoping that this season does not fall into my traditional American horror story viewing, where I really like the first episode, mm-hmm. and then I like the second episode a little less, and the third episode a little less than that, and the fourth <laughs> episode a little less than that. And the fifth episode, a little less than that. And then by that point, like, I don't care. And so I just kind of like, right. I just kind of fade out and I'll be like, yeah, I'll like throw it on the DVR and I'll watch it eventually. And, you know, a week will pass in between them. And then it's like two weeks and then it's like mm-hmm. a month. And then I'm like, I don't really remember all the fine details about what's going on. And at that point, I really don't care. So then I just kind of fade away. So I'm really hoping that this season, and if there is a season that is in my wheelhouse, it's this one. So right. I'm hoping that that, the, the gimmick of, uh, I, I call it, it's called Camp Redwood, but I call it Camp Morningwood. Um, uh. All the counselors out at Camp Morningwood, like if, like I, I feel like that gimmick is enough to keep me around a little longer than normal, so we'll see what happens. But I wanted to bring special attention to it that it is the first time in a little while with American Horror Story that not only am I in like that I'm impressed with the season, but like I'm pretty invested into it right now. So it- I'm more surprised. Eighties slasher. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll give a report in you know like a month or so when the season's you know a well, little closer to halfway through, and we'll see what happens. You, you've at least seen an episode of the <laughs> the first one. I'm flopping down. The season hasn't even started yet. Oh, jeez. Um, and I am I am both 
can't wait for it to get here, and I'm dreading it getting here because this is it. Uh, this season, season eight of Arrow, is the final season of the show. Yeah. Um, and if you listen to this show, you know <laughs> I have a very love-hate relationship with Arrow. From the start, I've watched every, um, whether they're great or season four. uh, I have been there. I've never given up on this show. I love most of the cast. I love most of the characters. Um, Whether you're a big fan of it or not, you have to thank it for the part of this renaissance we have of amazing superhero stuff on TV is because of Arrow. Uh, So last season, uh, and and the reason I'm excited for that, the ratings have tanked, so we're going to kill uh, it's it's Stephen or before last season said uh, to the producers, "I'm I'm ready to to be done. Like I'm I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to go on to a." And they said, "Okay, we respect that." Um, and they they basically talked him into doing this season half season. I think it's ten episodes. Yeah, I know um, it's so shorter. that they can properly yeah they can properly close out. Not just the character, but the entire show, uh, because they they've thankfully remembered that the show is about, all- that- and you cannot carry on without that character. Um, so they're they're wrapping things up, and I'm excited to see. Um, it never quite got to be the Green Arrow on TV that I was hoping it was, but that's not to say there wasn't some great TV. Those first two seasons are oh, fantastic. Yeah. Season one and two um, are great television. And on and off, uh, there have been some great story arcs. There have been some amazing characters. Fantastic action scene. Uh, it, it's it's a show that you know kept growing and kept changing. And I can leg- legitimately say every season has its own sort of distinct feel to it and vibe to it. Um, usually kind of dictated by who the big bad was that season. Um, and it gave me a different version of the character, not always one that I was super happy with, but it gave me what if kind of like alternate reality kind of stuff. And that's kind of how I had to look at the show is it's not Oliver Queen from the comics. It's a different version of all. And enjoy it for what. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm excited knowing it's the last season. Uh, because just from what I've seen from, you know, following actors on Instagram stuff, they are really pulling out all the stops. Uh, it looks like they crammed 22 episodes worth of budget into 10 episodes. That's awesome. Uh, just with, with the cast they're bringing back and like people have been dead since season one coming back. Um, because, and this is maybe the most thing. So basically all of this season of Arrow leading up to one big thing, which is years since what season no season one of um since there were multiple dc shows on cw there has been the crossover episode which is usually around the eight eight or nine uh, episodes into the season um everyone gets together and we have a big crossover we had stuff like prices on earth x which is fantastic uh it's better than the justice league movie <sighs> and we've had some not so great stuff but it's always been fun to see all these coming together they teased this year uh team up episode last season um and we are doing crisis on infinite earths 
especially if you're a comic book fan, that title carries a lot of weight. Yeah, it does. Back in the mid-80s, DC was like, hey, our continuity is way out of control. Comic because they don't understand the back characters and there's too much history here. It's too confusing. We got to streamline. So in short, they wrote a storyline called Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is one of the first big event comics. Really, two different Earths, Earth 1, Earth 2, two different realities merged together and there were casualties on both sides and basically it was their in-universe way of planning how they were going to completely write uh, and revamp reboot the dc universe that's the uh yes so you know the things like um uh laurel lane as black canary being the daughter of dinah drake who became dinah drake lance that was all rewritten post crisis. Before then, it was two different, uh, two different versions of the same character. It changed the the backstory, and there were two different Black Canaries. And, oh well, they're Black Canaries from Earth One and Earth Two, and then post crisis, nope. Here's your new storyline. Uh, Supergirl character who benefits, but crisis means two things. Like nothing's going to be the same after. Right. And there's going to be a price. Yeah. The cover of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the comic book, is literally Superman holding the dead body of Supergirl. Yeah, it's, um, like, it's, it's yeah, that's covered. the kind yeah, that's the kind of sacrifice I mean. Uh, and they're very much telegraphing, uh, because Oliver Arrow is ending, Oliver Crane is leaving. Yeah. He made some kind of deal with uh, the anti monitor. Well, assuming that means Oliver is going to make a sacrifice, they're very much telegraphing that, which is why I kind of feel like it's going to be him dying. That seems uh, to be the too line. obvious. Yeah. Um, but either way, Strange's escape of the the Arrowverse uh, on CW is also going to help introduce Batgirl. Uh, I firmly believe this will be how they finally take all their separate shows, like. Um, of tomorrow and flat same universe, but legends are always off time hopping. Uh, then you have black lightning, which is its own completely separate universe and Supergirl, which is still because of its own separate universe. I've had, if after this crossover, they're going to combine everything. How they tie everything together, uh, and retcon some things maybe that didn't quite work. Um, but it's going to be one United Universe. It's going to be the end of Oliver Queen somehow. And most importantly, they are pulling out all the stops with their guest stars. And I don't just mean bringing back people from previous, although there's lots of that going. They're bringing in, I'm just going to start name dropping. Flash has multiple characters. He played the father of Barry Allen and then played a alternate universe version of Jay Garrick. Yeah. As of last year, he came back at his version of Barry Allen from the 90s. Full-on 90s muscle suit and everything. Yeah, He'll be coming back. It's awesome. He'll be coming back as his version of Barry Allen. Alf, who is in Legends of Tomorrow, will not only be playing the Atom, who he's been for several seasons, he's putting on the super suit again. Ralph will be returning as not only Atom, but Superman. From yeah. some Earth, 
Um, and then most importantly, and the thing that has been rumored since like day one of Arrow getting a pilot, 10 years after its finale, Tom Welling is coming back to CW as Clark Kent, Superman from Smallville. Isn't that awesome? It's been rumored for so long, and supposedly Tom Welling kind of dropped it at a you know, announced, I think, last week. Welling and Erica Durrance, who played Lois, both coming back and both prizing their characters from Smallville. Um, coming already, because as much as I credit Arrow with creating the whole modern CW universe, 10 seasons of Smallville to prove that superheroes can work on TV. And I cannot wait to see how they're going to match all these people together and all these different, you know, realities that they come from. Uh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be, I think, a five-night uh, event over three parts air uh, before they go to fall break. And the next, like, the last two parts don't air until we come back from fall break. So, cliffhangers. Yeah, that's um, going to be a long wait. Yeah, uh, but this is this is essentially, if you're a fan of CW DC shows, this is your endgame. It's built towards this. This is the crescendo. Uh, nothing is going to be the same after this. There's going to be tears of joy and pain. We're going to be saying goodbye to some people. We're going to be introducing some new people. Like, this is your Avengers end. It's an exciting time. Rumor persisting that they're going to bring in the cast of Titan CW, sorry, the DC online show. Well, at this point, I will believe. Uh, yeah, anything's possible at this point. Yeah, they're going nuts on bringing in guest stars. Well, final season of Arrow. And directly leading into a son of it. Yeah, that's as soon as I saw that they were bringing back um, uh, Smallville Clark Kent. Yeah. Like, I said they are going out with a bang on this one. Mm -hmm. Like they are, like they they know that they're, like they're making it special. And that's awesome for the fans that have been around for that whole time and can appreciate that because, like, that is that is the fan service that that makes me happy to see. And that's that's one thing that I've always loved uh, these shows, and they've always done fan service. Uh, like I said, like from day one, John Wesley's ship has been in the new flight. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it, it, it started as a, hey, we're going to put this in here because we don't think we'll have that one season of this show in the 90s, but we're yeah. nerds, so we're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, he tested so well that they, they literally, you know, after they killed off that character, spoiler, uh, they what? wrote him back in the show as a whole new character. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and we got him back in a super suit with the, you know, literally the, the old flash and the new flash. And that was awesome. I loved him as Jay Garrick. I loved that suit. Um, actually like, they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to go even further. We're going to bring him back as his version of Barry. We're going to have our costume department 
recreate that muscle suit from the 90s for doing it. And it was so awesome. perfect. So perfect. Uh, at this point, the, the only name they could drop that would make me excited, uh, and this would be just really fucking trippy. Hartley, who's on This Is Us now, was Ollie Queen Green Arrow on Fallville. Oh, yeah, that's right. It would be, and, and, and you know, because it's Arrow's last season, I can wanting to, but at the same time, like, come on, dude, Arrow's together. Yeah, it's not, but, yeah. it's not entered the Arrowverse. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm excited, I love it, I love that it's, it's going to be like a five-hour event, which is awesome, because, again, if you know what Crisis on Infinite Earths is in the comics, like, yeah, it, it is a five-hour because holy shit. Yeah, it's going to be worth it. Like that, it's a big investment, but like the payoff yeah. is going to be worth it. Because it also gives them again because Arrow was ending uh, going into this, it also gives them kind of carve launch to just go nuts with stuff. Like, yeah, fans have been have been theorizing for for years now about uh, John Diggle becoming a Green Lantern. Ooh. You can do that. If we're doing multiple Earths, we can do that now. Yeah, you can just do whatever. It's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like uh, you know, when you're in a uh, broadcasting class and they're like, make a trailer mm-hmm. for a movie. And you're like, you can do whatever the hell you want. And like, it doesn't really have to make sense at the end because it's a trailer. Yep. And you don't have to do like a full thing ever. Like they, they could do whatever they want and they don't really have to answer for it in the next season, which yep. is very freeing. Uh, but also very scary because then they could be like, well, we'll just throw a bunch of crap against the wall and see what sticks <laughs> just for yeah, fun. It's going to be. I've got one other and it will be a much. Yeah. I've discussion of the year. Um, I've got one more and it's really, really short, uh, okay. but it piggybacks nicely off of that one. Okay. Uh, because if we're talking about last seasons, uh, 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 Let's talk about Limp to the Barn and just call it a day uh, with the last season of Supernatural, uh, or as I like to call it, the subtitle, uh, about five years too late. Because, uh, yeah, this show, this the final season should have been years ago. I don't care what you say, Chris Bandy. Uh, should have been years ago. Uh, it's not hashtag going out on top, because I'm sorry, but... Uh, uh, at the end of the day, I am invested in those characters, and I still really like, you know, that universe and that world. And mm-hmm. it is going to be very sad to see it go. Um, however, uh, fifteen seasons, man. Yeah, no. Uh, trust me. At some point in its run, we're going to do the. This is what life was like when Supernatural started. Uh, yes, feature. Because I don't think everybody realizes how much time has actually passed yeah, since insane. Supernatural started. So we're going to compile some things. Uh, and at some point in the last season, maybe towards the end of the run, uh, we will have a a retrospective about, hey, when Supernatural started, this is what was going on in the world. Just so you know. it's It's got to be like top ten of the longest running shows. Because, I mean, people always talk about, you know, like Friends, 10 seasons, yeah. Smallville, 10. Like, 10 seasons is always like, that's a huge milestone. And, yeah. and, and 15! Right. 
nuts. And see, usually they say, um, usually they say ten se- like either the, the the two big milestones of a show are 100 episodes because that's usually the minimum for syndication. Syndication, yeah. And then 10 seasons is like mm-hmm. if you can make 10 like those are like the two really big milestones. Uh and yeah, Supernatural has hit both of those and then kept going. So yeah, yeah we're going to we're going to have to uh to give a little retrospective on that. But yeah. that's okay. Now, I still say I have not watched it since season ten, but I still say season thirteen would have been the great number to go out. Yeah, it supernatural. Really but I am very much looking forward to catching up on those five seasons now that it's done. Because I, I got like three episodes into season ten, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to catch up with this one. Yep. Yep, save it, and then it kept going and going. And yeah, going. save it till when it's done. And yeah, I think I, I think uh, twelve is the last one that. Like I'm, I'm starting twelve, so um, yeah, I'll have twelve, thirteen, uh, fourteen. And I couldn't even tell you what happened in the last episode I watched. Like I don't remember. That that's okay. So. That's why they have the road so far. Yeah, guess I'll just have to go back to season one. Oh God! Oh, no, no, don't. That'd be nuts. That'd be nuts. Do not That'd be do nuts. that. I will not do that. Uh, thank you. I mean, I, I know will not be doing that. I know that you like to do that stuff, and I know you like to. Uh, uh, I'm just going to use that as, as an example: extended edition Lord of the Rings type stuff. <laughs> but I would say, please, like for your own health, don't start at season one. Here's the thing, though: twelve hours gets me through the entire journey. Twelve hours gets me through half a season. Is yeah, natural. I mean, that's an <laughs> so, like here's, here's, yeah. Uh, they announced that uh, Breaking Bad movie on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, someone put out a calendar of like, hey, here's how to catch it. Like watch, like binge watch all of Breaking Bad leading up to the movie. Mm-hmm. And like I saw like the first three days, it's like three episodes a day. And I was like, out. Out. <laughs> Too much of an investment. I can't watch three mm-hmm. episodes of anything a day. Out. So I guess I'm not watching the whole show until I, you know, before the the movie hits. But you know what? I remember what happened, so I'm okay. Yeah. Out. Can't do it. Where it's like, hold on, like, it's literally, uh, and even, like, the first season is even, like, um, like, the first season's six episodes long. Mm-hmm. And I'm still like, nope, not doing it. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, day one, watch episode one. Okay, can handle that. Day two, watch episodes two and three. Okay. Then four, five. Okay. Then six, seven. Okay. Then the next day, start season two, one through three. Nope. Out. <laughs> F that. I'm out. Not doing it. Nah, I, uh, I just, he, and here's, here's the thing. Binge watching that many seasons is natural. Like, we've made this joke on, on this show more times than I can count, but, like, there's only so many times you can watch the same story arc. Yeah, because that show and it, it's it's a CW thing, man. Because Flash did the same story arc fucking seasons in a row. Uh, Arrow kept trying to do the same story arc for several seasons. Like it's just they get in that groove, like they get that template of a season, and they just try to like plug and play. Like okay, we'll swap this character for that character and tweak this part a little bit. But it's you know it's like that formula. Like I can only watch the brothers, you know, sacrifice themselves Gosh, to save yeah. the other one, and then. Uh, leave them and we can't trust each other and then they break up for two episodes and they get back together and like i can only watch it so many times before i just go nuts and get bored and give up so yep uh i need to uh we need to have a uh a special like when it's when it when 
it's done yes. when arrow is done uh i want to get your take on i saw a post uh where okay. somebody compares and i think up until that point it was only like the first four seasons mm-hmm. but it, they say that uh, arrow and flash are the exact same show oh they were absolutely and it's like uh, it hits like story beats exactly and i want to go over it with you to see how accurate it really is yeah the, the only real distinction there was the arrow in its first several seasons, really effectively used flash. The whole thing was like you know, the flashbacks covered the five years all of yeah. missing, um, and then after the end of year five, like, well, we don't have any of those anymore, and like that's where it really started to go. Like, not sure what to do. These like we started doing flashbacks of other characters, and this last season they did some flash forwards, which I hated. Um, I know people enjoyed it. Then the characters from the flash forwards and doing a. a uh, to spin off from that, but like the flash forwards didn't have Oliver in them because he's dead or gone. Um, so it was it was actors in their twenties and thirties in old age makeup. Like uh, you can you can you can pile on all the wrinkles on Felicity Smoke you want. She's still stupid hot. Uh, I did not believe the, any of the old age makeup they put on her or any of the other main cast actors. And I don't give a shit about. <coughs> The children of Oliver Queen, or the children of Don John Diggle. I just want to see Diggle and Ollie. Like I don't, I don't care about their kids in a apocalyptic future where Deathstroke is a gang. And like, yeah, stop. I've seen Batman Beyond. Stop. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to see. So because they're talking, the rumor now is they're going to take those and them off in the show. Which hey, good for those actors. Good yeah. for whatever keeps the Arrowverse going. Sure, but if that happens, I'm probably not going to watch it. I don't care. Um that up but anyway no no but yeah, yeah they they very much had like the 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 big bad of the season like the slow reveal they did that thing where like the first five episodes were just throwing stuff at the wall like introducing new characters and new plot threads every single episode and then we like around episode six or seven we'll start tying them together like yeah they, they totally had the same play yeah like it goes like story beat for beat and i'm like Crap, yeah, I remember that. Wow. Yeah, like they really were pretty much the same. Well that's that's what made me give up on Flash is Flash did the same thing three seasons in a row. His bad his big bad three seasons in a row was another speedster who was faster than him. And I was like, seriously guys? He has one of the best rogues galleries in comics and you just keep pulling more speedsters? Like so I season four they didn't do that and then season four changes the formula supposedly, but by season four I didn't care anymore. So yeah, I haven't watched haven't watched Flash except for the crossover stuff. I'm with. But you. anyway, I'm with you. My other show. This will be much shorter. Yeah. Um, because I can't believe this show is coming back. Uh, it was one of those like it's wrong and you know it's wrong. But you laugh anyway because it's funny. Uh, I spent many a night in my dorm room. Uh, watching this late night on Comedy Central because they would just air like a four hour four hour block of these shows at night. Um, but what's funnier than prank calls? Uh, yeah, prank phone calls reenacted by puppets. That's true. Uh, fucking crank yankers is coming back to Comedy Central, man. Um, and again, with the theme of pulling out all the stops, they've announced a bunch of the guests that are going to be on. Uh, Tiffany Haddish. Kathy Griffin, Jimmy Kimmel's coming back, Sarah Silverman's coming back, Tracy Morgan's coming back, Audrey Plaza, Will Forte. Like, they're just name-dropping people now, and I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Uh, but they're bringing back all your old favorites uh, and a bunch of new people. 
I can't wait. Yeah. It's dumb. It's crude. 13 year old junior high. But it was uh, kind of like how I was excited when they announced in what was it like 2010 uh, when Beavis and Butthead came back for a season. Yes. And I was like, I know I shouldn't be that super excited to, uh, to to watch the next season, but like I am really jacked up to see it because I just kind of am curious as to how they're going to do it, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. So at the risk of alienating the audience and myself, my favorite character on Cranking, the special ed. Yeah. No, I think that was a lot of people's. I don't know how you do that character in 2019 without pissing people off and having to cancel the show. Yeah. Um, that being said, if they don't bring back special ed, I'm going to be pissed because I'm a bad person. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's that, that it's going to be interesting because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, mm -hmm. like I agree with you. I special ed was, uh, I think, I think that was, probably the most memorable character. And they brought him back all the time. Yeah, like he was a very like recurring character that was kind of like that was in most of the advertisements and kind of mm -hmm. like the poster puppet, as weird as that is to say. Uh, well yeah. They did one offs, but they had they had recurring uh, the celebrity guests would come back and more stuff. But like they had kind of like a, a, a a stable of characters that you could count on in, in being in pretty much every episode. And special Ed was one yeah. of them. So yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know how they do it for this, this time around, but I really hope they do. And we'll see what happens, man. Cause that was also part of the fun of the show was it was completely politically incorrect. Right. And like, that's where the humor came from. Like Jimmy Kimmel's character, I think it was Jimmy. Was the old man uh, who was like a racist right wing old man. Like that's like, the jokes you know you shouldn't laugh at because they're terrible, but you laugh at them anyway. Like, right. That was part of the fun of, of that. The original show was like it had no shame. It had no boundaries. Um, the unedited. They didn't blur the, you know, puppet genitalia because, yes, the show had puppet genitalia. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm excited for it coming back. And I think it's already started, so I'm, I'm already behind. Well, that's what I'm going yeah. to crank Yankers and arrow. That's yeah. going to be uh, excited. Well, uh, yeah, that's uh man. Fall TV season. It always brings out the interesting ones. It's always yeah. a fun topic of conversation. So, uh, <sighs> you can comment on our uh, Facebook post uh, about what mm -hmm. you're looking forward to, unless it's uh SmackDown on Fox, in which case, uh, go to hell. <laughs> Because nobody's excited for SmackDown on Fox. I say, do you want to guess what Coran's picks would have been? Uh, I'm going to guess. Uh, I think they're doing another season of Scream. There you um, go. And I think Pretty Little Liars is over. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he's into Riverdale, but I don't know if that's even on. Uh, he might not have watched it yet, though. And it might just be a right. matter of time. Um, and I know he's finishing it. Like, he's still watching Bates Motel. He hasn't gotten to that one episode that made me throw my hands up and pretty much give up on the season, but I'm still waiting for that text. Um, Cause yeah. Oh, it's so damn. Well, he's, he's not here and I'm never going to watch that show. So what's the, all right. If he, if he listens to this, he needs to mute this.
because so if you don't want to spoil it for Bates Motel, yeah. stop listening now. Yeah, so here's the spoiler for uh, okay. the last episode of season four of Bates okay. Motel. So uh, the the show runs five seasons. Okay. And the last episode of season four mm-hmm. is Norman uses, uh, he basically shuts all the vents in the house except for one uh-huh. uh, where his mother is sleeping. And he basically uh, asphyxiates his mother and kills her. And so she's dead. The last episode of season four, but the show goes on for a whole nother season. Okay. And it's stupid. <laughs> the way they do it, the way they do it, because, like, he sets all this up because he's, like, super pissed about some dumb thing. And that's not really a big deal, but he's a teenager. So, like, which, first of all, it totally jacks up the timeline. Uh, totally jacks yeah. up all of that stuff. Uh, and then, like, so she dies. Like, he, he, is, he, he asphyxiates her. Uh, like through the vents and then as soon as it starts to happen and she starts to die like he starts to feel guilty about it and then he tries to save her and it doesn't work and then he spends the rest of the show trying to he spends basically an entire season trying to get rid of her body and it's just real like it's it's so dumb like it's so Thank you for just confirming that I was right to not watch yeah, the show. Like the, and, and here's the, my problem with it is like the first four seasons, like up until that episode, it's really like, it's actually pretty good. Like if you, if you look at it, like the way that you described arrow where you're like, I get it that it's not the Norman Bates that I'm used to. And uh-huh. that like, it's an alternate take on it. It's more of an updated kind of modern take on it. And they take a little, they they take liberties with the the timeline and the story, but like it's it's still kind of true to what it is. That holds true up until that episode, and it just goes off the rails. And you're like, this has like it, it's real. It's uh, because during that season, um, uh, uh, Marion Crane shows up, played by Rihanna, again. I don't I don't get it. Uh, didn't huh. know Rihanna was an actress, but. Uh, Norman does not kill her and she leaves and like so like it, it just it just messes with the entire established thing and I'm not trying to say that it needs to be exactly like the movie but there are certain points that you have to hit and it misses a lot of them and it makes me real upset so like it, it made me so frustrated to the point where I was like I don't even want to watch the rest of the se- like the rest of the show. I know it has another season to go and they they announced like, "Hey, the 5th season is the last season." So it's it's like it it it's the story's done. I didn't even want to invest in the last season cuz I was so pissed off of the way that they just did not care about the Psycho and Hitchcock legacy. It just really made me really mad. It made me so frustrated. But, yeah, so uh, he kills her in a very odd, passive way a season before the show ends. And it does nothing, like, to build the characters. Like, it does nothing to... They could have waited another easily half season to do it, and it wouldn't have been a problem. 
but they mm-hmm. did it just to like as a shocker to end the season. Well, and because like knowing again from from having never watched the show, but the movie itself, like that's that's killing his mother and but psyche of mom and Norman in the same body. So I can see them before the show ends because then that storyline will Norman dealing with his guilt. And that's what right. forges the mm-hmm. personality and psycho. Like, like, so when you first had, you know, he kills his mom, I was like, yeah, okay. That, that, that should happen. Like, that's not how it happens in the movie. In the movie, right. he, he kills his mom because he's jealous of uh, her getting a new lover. Cause there's a weird, Oedipal thing going on there. Um, <clears throat> but that, if you don't follow that story thread of him dealing with the guilt and forwarding the split personalities, then what was the point? Right. Like, that's why you kill the mom. Yeah. And, then, you know, and him trying to hide the body, like, no, he's, he's supposed to preserve the body on, because of the, like, that's, that's the you know, like, core things of the character of Norman. Yeah, it's it's just, that it, you're it, messing with. It misses the mark. I, like I get what they were trying to do because like she shows up as a ghost and like they try uh. and do the like well he's very conflicted and like the kid does a really good job of being Norman but the writing is so bad that mm. it's just like it, it's just normal like he's he's upset because she's dead not because of the circumstances around it mm. and it doesn't build his character. It, it doesn't evolve the character and push it more towards the Norman Bates that we know where he's going to end up. Like, right. okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a perpendicular. Cause it's not a parallel. It's like exactly <laughs> the opposite is I love when you talk dirty about your perpendicular uh, better call Saul. Okay. Which is one of the, like it's a sleeper it's my sleeper pick for like best written show on television that's currently on right now uh because the best thing that i can say about it is it's so well written that you know going in how the story ends because it's a prequel so mm-hmm. you know exactly where he's going to end up and exactly like what the end game of this story is but the journey to get there, like literally, you know how it ends, but you're begging for anything else to happen. Mm. And like, you're on this journey where you're like, you feel so, you feel so much emotion for this character and you want, you, you want there to be a different ending, even though you know that that's not possible. And like, that's the difference between, the strong writing of Better Call Saul and the garbage hack writing that plagued the end of Bates Motel. <laughs> that, which is that that's the best, you know, mirror that I can give mm. is like, gotcha. I'm sitting there like watching this. I'm watching, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm watching, the transformation from Jimmy McGill to Saul Goodman mm-hmm. and every episode I'm like, no, don't no, because you know where that's going to end. No, mm-hmm. no. And you're pulling for the character to make choices that you know, he's not going to make 
because you know it's his you know where his destiny lies and you're compelled still because of the writing and because of the acting to hope against hope that somehow you're wrong and somehow like it's going to go the other way but with mm-hmm. Bates Motel you know where it's supposed to go and it's going a totally different way and you're like but why though because this new way makes no sense and is dumb and is not logical in any stretch of the imagination. It's so stupid. So it's a very different experience. Well, that's going to segue beautifully. That's <sighs> what I do here, man. With, with what we're about to touch on. Yeah. Um, because we're going to come back around to um, a story you know and in a way to make it fresh. Yes. Before we get to that, we have some legal brief news. Do 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 do. With caveman lawyer Captain Planet. Uh, so uh, I'm guessing you want to talk about the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth updates. Well, so. I'll just give a base. Uh, I'll, I'll give a real big base because there hasn't been any changes yet. Uh, right. Yeah. We're, we're we're still in this. We're still in this thing. Uh, this this holding pattern. Um, but here's the basic, and this is very important for what we're going to talk about next. I'm just going to give a real quick overview. If you missed our Friday the Thirteenth episode, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, uh, to quickly kind of go over this lawsuit. The crux of the argument is there was a law that was passed that allows content creators who have sold the rights to their creations or their work to somebody else to reclaim those rights after a set amount of time. And I believe it's 35 years. I believe that's right. It's either 30 or 35. I'm pretty sure it's 35 years uh, where you can file uh, you know, a legal legal brief, and you file a legal uh, request for the rights back, the rights revert back to the original uh, creator. And it's kind of like a second chance, uh, like a second bite of the apple, where if, let's say, you know, you were working and you wrote this script for this movie that was a great idea, and you sold it to somebody for $10,000 because you really needed the money. And then they go on to turn it into, you know, a billion dollar franchise and you're, but they don't pay you anything because they bought the, the, the rights for $10,000. So they don't really owe you anything. And you're like, man, they turned it into this big franchise and it, there's toys and there's board games and there's, you know, pajamas and all this stuff and little kid shaving kits for whatever reason. And, you're like, I feel like I should get a piece of that money. It's kind of a, a way to get some of that back and kind of, you know, not let somebody else make a living off of somebody else's creation. So uh, basically what happened was Victor Miller, a uh, dear friend of the show who has been in email correspondence, um, thanking us for his for our support, um, was uh, hired to write the original Friday the 13th and with the exception of one scene uh, wrote the entire thing and 
has not received much of any money or at least not a fair shake of, you know, what he has written. So he filed for this, uh, basically two years out. He said he was going to, he followed through that. He did, uh, Sean Cunningham and horror Inc. Uh, filed saying that it was illegal and there's a whole big legal battle going on that is setting a precedent for this law because it's still very, very new. So that's where that one kind of sits. However, interesting to note, and this happened like under the radar, like nobody knew this was going on. Yeah, very recently, very out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, the news broke that the rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street have reverted back to the estate of Wes Craven. And the interesting part about it is it's basically, it's the exact same scenario as with the Friday, the 13th issue. It's just, there was no challenge to it. Like the big difference is Sean Cunningham and horror Inc have, you know, sued to stop the rights reverting back to Victor Miller in that case. And that's what the big holdup is in this case the estate for Wes Craven filed for this and it just kind of quietly happened mm-hmm. and like nobody, nobody sued to stop it. Nobody like really tried to do anything. So here we are. The estate of Wes Craven now has the rights back and they, they're now free to, you know, license it to somebody, sell the rights to somebody else. Um, and you know, so we might, be able to see a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, not fast tracked, but like before, you long know, before Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, like come right. you might really soon be seeing a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie is in production somewhere with some company, and it's it's like it's gonna be coming. So I think part of that is going to be based on the fact that the. Like we're, we're getting close to the end. I can kind of feel that we're getting close to the end of this like horror revival bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. Halloween announced two new sequels. And I think that's probably by the time that second one comes out, we're probably going to be at the end of it. If we're not, if we're not past the end of it, that will be towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a very finite time mainstream has a very finite cyclical love affair with horror movies. And there are, you know, very few, like you have, if you consider the sixth sense of horror movies, some people do whatever, like Blair, Witch was one that was like a mainstream and it kind of hit. And then you had, um, like there, there, there's been like the ring, like there's been a couple that are like mainstream, the like for so for whatever reason, they become like a just a phenomenon, and like it's a thing. And we're kind of at that that point right now where like horror movies are, you're seeing you know a new Child's Play, a new Halloween, like all of these major players are are coming back, and Nightmare the like the two big ones that are missing are Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth. And so I think you're going to see a Friday, a, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie hit to try and not miss that window. So I think you're going to see one 
sooner rather than later, especially with this news. Like I'm I would be shocked right now if there aren't at least two or three studios that are trying to negotiate to get the rights to get something going. Mm-hmm. Like as well, fast I would as say possible. The, the bubble pop thing we might already be starting to see happen. And the example of, I think it's clear there is it. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. That's the one it, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. The first it, you know, shattered records with $700 million box office. And uh, just looked it up as of today, it chapter two, which you would think, okay, the first one did phenomenal. And like, they went all out with the sequel and it's not that much later, like after the first one, you know, the, you're still building off the momentum from the first one. It's less than 400 million worldwide, right? Well, Granted, it hasn't been out as long, but still, that's a pretty significant drop off. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and the thing about it is, um, you know, you've got the the market is you know saturated with um, you know Stranger Things and uh, like a lot of. I think horror right now, as it's one to do, is horror is one of those. And I know that we we mention it with other genres, but like horror is especially guilty of being very one note. Like when when one movie or property or something is a hit, everybody wants to do that, and like that becomes the 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 you know theme du jour and everybody and uh i say you know one of the big reasons that horror is kind of in still is stranger things and the reason that i i i can point back to stranger things is that as soon as stranger things became a phenomenon everything was about kids or the 80s Yep. Everything. And we're still riding that train. And yeah, and it's I mean it's still happening. And uh, I mean look like right now, literally in the beginning of this show, we talked about what's the theme for uh American horror story this year? Eighties. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's you have summer of eighty four, you have like all of these movies and shows like hell the friggin' it remake has a kid from Stranger Things in it. So Yeah. I mean, and they they moved the timeline from the book to be for the eighties. Yeah, and and so like that thing is like horror is notorious for it takes place in the eighties, and it's like that's fine, but like you get burnout so much faster, and I think it's partly because horror it's so rare in comparison to other genres. I feel like it also has a weird, uh, uh, there's a weird relationship with that. You see, you you tend like, you know, it chapter one did huge money on a very small budget, 35 million, which is, you know, not chump change, but compared to like, you know, your average Marvel movies, $150 million. Right. Uh, And that's like, you know, like Ant-Man and the Wasp level Marvel movies like Endgame, but uh, so 35 million is nothing. And it made 700 million. That's great. It's chapter two. When we had to hire adult actors and have two main casts, million dollars, it's only brought in 400, less than 400 million boxes. Like that's 
the bigger chance of things not like you know your return on investment <clears throat> chances dwindle dramatically. That's you know the secret to Bloom House, yep. uh, which isn't really much of a secret because it's the same thing that you know Roger Corp the career, uh, which is you know make, make them fast, uh, make them inexpensive, yep. and you'll get your money back and you can make the next movie. Yep, uh, that's why the numbers that you uh, you listed off is exactly why it chapter two was only in my fantasy movie league for one weekend. Mm-hmm. It has never been in my fantasy movie league since then. And it's just not doing well. Uh, but but steered back yeah. towards main topics. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've circled around this. But now that the rights um, for Nightmare on Elm Street uh, have a very clear linear path to follow, yes. um, what do we want from a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie? I like it. There's a lot of ways you can go with that, and I yeah. don't. I, I've got some general ideas of what I'd like to see, but because, like, you know, again, it, we tried a reboot less than 10 years ago. 2000 was the yeah. Martin Elm Street reboot with Jack Earl Haley, which we can dive into that. Or didn't work. I'm going to say it didn't work. You can say whether you like the movie or not, fine. It did not launch another franchise. No. The, the original Nightmare series has six movies to its credit, if you include Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Uh, the the reboot? Seven, yeah. Cause, uh, six, seven. Yeah, six is... Uh, uh, no, it has, Nightmare. No, because, uh, yes. Um, no, six is uh, Freddy's Dead, so seven is New Nightmare, so it has eight, if you include... Eight, uh, okay. Yeah. Freddy so there you go. Because, uh, of course, in horror movies, you success by the number of seasons. Should they try rebooting it again? Should it be some kind of teen-style legacy sequel where we, like, ignore certain movies? Try to revamp, uh, like, you know, know, they've already brought back Headlamp Camp and Kill. Uh, So, you know, what what do you do with this? Because Nightmare presents... another one only because of the main character you know jason Voorhees is is as much of a character it's a stunt guy in a mask right freddy krueger casting is pretty important yeah uh, it, it's it's you can't just throw a stunt guy in in a mask well and not to say that jack you really did a bad job I think he did pretty well in the reboot, given what he was given. Yeah, he didn't, uh, but he didn't what, have a what, lot of good stuff to work with. But uh, no, Ian, you're right, because in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, they tried to just put a stunt guy in it, and it failed so miserably that they they asked dear friend of the show, Robert England, uh, to come back. Yeah. So, um so I got a pitch. Yes, let me hear it. All right, and I'm taking the I'm taking the uh, Bloomhouse direction on this. And all right, this you're is, already greenlit his ten million dollars. Oh, sorry, uh, we are disregarding, and and this is going to make some people mad. But hear me oh. out. 
we are disregarding everything but the original. Okay. Take all the rest. Take two, three, four, five, six. Nightmare, uh, new nightmare. Freddy versus just remove them all. And basically, you can do a sequel slash relaunch because I don't see it as a reboot. It's not a do the whole thing over again, but it's a new launching point for a franchise. And basically what it is, is it takes place, you know, 35 years after the original. And it basically follows one of the kids from Elm Street, not one of the you know main characters who's dead, obviously, but a character who has moved, like their family moved away after the tragedies, and they moved like somewhere, you know, somewhere else in America to just kind of get a fresh start. The kid was kind of traumatized. Uh, you know, the kid is now grown, has kids of his own or her own. And uh, at one point, the kid is going through, like, the attic. Like, they're, they're, they're doing, like, a, um, a yard sale or something. Donating stuff to Goodwill, whatever goes through this big trunk and finds this um, uh, uh, Springwood High School yearbook and starts flipping through the yearbook and is like, hey, you know, mom slash dad, like, look what I found. I found your old yearbook. And the parents like, where'd you find that? Put that away. I never want to see that. You know, get rid of it. You know, don't donate it. Burn it in a fire. Like, whatever. Has like a very adverse reaction. And so the kid starts to, you know, dig into why the parent had this adverse reaction to it. Eventually uncovers more stuff uh, of the story to realize that it's Freddy Krueger. Acknowledging Freddy Krueger kind of brings him back, gives him more power, as we know. uh, And it basically kind of rebirths him in... This new, it's basically like a new generation that we can then explore. And now it's the kid from the, the, you know, like one of the kids from high school in the original is now in the parent role. And so it's kind of a, you know, this is the, the, this is what the parents were all trying to avoid. Now I get it. Uh, Kind of full circle kind of deal. Um, to then also start basically fresh with a whole new set of teenagers and uh, kids to harass. It's the easiest way to do it. It's the simple, like, kind of pay-by-numbers. It's kind of the low-hanging fruit of the way to restart it. But it's the easiest way if you want to do something new but also retain a connection to the first one. Okay. I, I don't want to be. Uh, the, the, my problem is I don't want to be under the weight of trying to follow the continuity from everything else. So, 
I'm going to do what the show will do and steer into the skit. Yes! <sighs> well, if they reboot any legacy, hear me out, because it's not going to sound like a legacy <sighs> sequel to begin with. So, you got to address the 800-pound gorilla, which is that... Fun Fred. And that character, and that characterization... And, and specifically that actor. And if you're trying to reboot a franchise, you don't want to. How old is Robert Anglin now? Got to be close to seventy, right? Yeah, he's you don't want. Close, yeah, you don't want to throw him as your lead. Frank, I don't. I don't. I don't think Robert Anglin wants to take over a new franchise at this point. Yeah, I think he's no. he's. He's very comfortable in the legacy of Freddy and the opportunities it's given him, and I think he's he's good. Yeah, I think so. he said that like he's got like he was not interested in doing any more of anything with Freddy, and then that episode of the Goldbergs happened, mm-hmm. and then like right after that, it was probably like the glow of of doing it just for that show and being in that show for like two minutes. Uh, is he's like, I feel like I got one more movie in me if they want to do one. But I think at this point, that might be, like, it's probably not well true anymore. But Put a pin in that. A very similar story. Um, okay. And we are in um, a brand new uh, uh, Springwood High School. Uh, newly renovated high school, the new class, you know, modern kids, millennials. It did spinners in there. Um, and, and we, you know, we focus on your, your, you know, starts out very typical, your, your friends. Um, one of them happens to be in charge of the prom committee. Now, 80s throwback. So what theme do they choose for their 80s now? Oh, so they get the no. right idea, hey, we're we're in the you know, we're in the new high school to dig out vintage Springwood stuff from the eighties. So they go digging through the basement of the high school that has not been renovated. That is now storage. Dun dun dun. And in a box in the boiler room. It's funny to say yearbook. They find some yearbook. He can see where I'm going with this. I think uh, I don't right. tie directly into like their parents. That's where they they start flipping through these, and they they see you know they go back through the the yearbooks and in like the history of the school, and and they're trying to focus on like, hey, let's bring back like some of the original staff, like the original principal, could be like our guest of honor and things like. That. And for like memorable stat, you know, they go far enough back. They see Fred Krueger or Fred Krueger. And then they just like all mention of him stops. What happened to Fred Krueger? And they started digging into what happened to Fred Krueger. And just like you said, the town is very, you know, carefully tried to bury everything about Freddy and, and that whole legacy. And these kids are now inadvertently digging it all back up and, and, you know, thinking about him is giving him power, you know, because that's, that's how you kill Freddy. You 
ignore him. He'll he just creates he's his powers from fear. Yep. No one knows about him. No one can be afraid of him. He's he, you know he doesn't die, but he's he's got nothing. So just kids talking that name again starts to breathe life back in. Um, movie. One of our kids uh, is, is they fall asleep. They're having a nightmare. Freddy's chasing them. Loved figure in a hat is chasing him and uh, running away. They turn a corner and there's another figure. Yeah, sweater, hat, glove. This one's different. Kind of Freddy, but not Freddy. He's he's covered in blood. He's not so much burnt. Um, he looks a little bit younger than the the one we were like. Well, okay, changes form again, and then and then no. Here comes the, the Freddy we know and love. Here comes a full on Robert Eng. How does this happen? What, what's going on here? That's the crux. So, Freddy is a dream demon. You know, he's a supernatural, otherworldly being, right? Right. Okay. Hear me? <laughs> it's going to get a little meta. All right. In this scene, a new Freddy completely overtaking the Freddy we know. Like, absorbs him into himself, that Freddy's this new Freddy. Because uh, up till this point throughout, Freddy's taken both forms. He's taken the Freddy we know, and he's taken, like, this newer Freddy. Was it just him changing his look because he does that, you know? Uh, and no, this is like the reveal of, no, like, there's two dream demons living off the fear of kids. And now the Freddy we know has been taken over. Um, so Fred Krueger, dream demon, is gone. Who's this new guy? Who's still using some of the iconography. New guy, Freddy, what's going on? So the way I make it a legacy sequel. Sting is key. Freddy is not uh, this new Freddy is actually the of good old Glenn, who has now, through 30-plus years of torment at the hands of, you know, being dead and being Freddy's plaything, is now the new Dream Demon. Whoa. Johnny Depp is back as the new Freddy. Would it ever happen? I don't know. But I know the way to get Johnny Depp to say yes to Adam. <laughs> and Freddy Krueger's a role that involves makeup. Yeah. Uh, it's a way to make it a legacy sequel without being like the parents of the year, the, it's, it's the kids of the original cast, like that, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, you know, to, to, so you, you tie it into like, yes, the, the, at least the first movie all still happened. Um, and you can go into the, you know, what exactly. That Glenn has become a tortured soul and through 30 plus years of, of torment, of his soul being tormented by Freddy and being Freddy's plaything because when Freddy can't get new souls, he torments the ones he already has. 
learn to take the same power Fred he's been over um and he's he's the new Freddy um Do to make it a legacy sequel. I was like, well, well, who would you get back? Who would who be the big person to get back? I'm like, well, Johnny Depp, obviously, because he's like the name. Even though his, his star power is kind of diminished, and he's got some personal shit going on, still giving him big parts in in you know big budget headpool movies. So maybe um, that was my big. That was my idea. Well, that is a bold. Bold approach, and you know, I would I would never watch it because Johnny Depp is in it and he annoys me. But I appreciate, and I really dig the uh, the outside the box approach to it because it also gives you a chance. You want to reinvent Freddy if you're going to try to launch a new, you know, Freddy. You don't just want to repeat all the because because you. You tear free down there. What's what? What makes the hat, the sweater, and the glove? Yeah. And other than that, I feel like you can kind of go where. For England back for one last ride as Freddy, or the glove, or whatever, to the next person, and that next person being someone who's already got a history with the franchise. So it's not just like here's the new guy, but like the new guy is still a returning cast member. Yeah, I feel like if you're bringing Robert England, like if uh, because A Nightmare on Elm Street, of course, is a franchise. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do a new one, it's going to lead to another one, which is going to lead to another one. So hopefully, if if you're bringing Robert England back, of course, like you got to go into it knowing that that's the last one for him, and so you need an exit strategy for him that's not really lame Mm -hmm. and you need a way that makes sense and is, is at least like, because here's the thing about horror movie fans is they're not as bad as wrestling fans or (laughs) Star Trek fans, but like sometimes they can be pretty shitty. So yeah, you need you you need a way that they're not gonna go. Well, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and that's you, 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 I'm pooping on it. Like you need you need a way, and like that's a very creative way to get around that of you know continuing the nightmare on Elm Street legacy, being true to the legacy, and and still looking forward. And that's like it's it's I don't envy whoever takes on that project because that is a, a that's a tough road to hoe. Like <laughs> I mean it's it, like that's tough because you're gonna have you know, half the people are going to want, you know Robert England one hundred percent is always Freddy no matter what. Like hashtag not my Freddy, whatever. Um, and then you're going to have like the realistic people that are like, yeah, I get it. They're like, you have to move forward with it because uh, franchise movie fans and cats both really hate change. So, you know, <laughs> you change anything and you know, you're, you're asking for trouble and uh, so yeah, I don't envy 
Like, I can't wait to see what comes next, but I don't envy the people who actually have to, you know, make it happen. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be tough. Like I said, you, you got to address it, and and you got to own it. And we've redesigned Freddy before. Uh, New Nightmare gave us, yeah. played with the whole, like, there is a real... And the one, you know, the rubber no is just playing like Freddy and you know, this is the real demon, uh, which is kind of where I pulled this idea from. Because uh, I, I, Freddy gets, uh, I always preferred him when he was straight late. It was jokey because, I mean, by the time you get to five, we're doing full on. Just, he's, 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 he's goofy. Yeah, you know? he's, he's uh he's he's more uh more Johnny Carson than they they literally have him doing fucking Bugs Bunny gags. Yeah, uh, by the time he gets like part five or six, so like and then not to say that he can't be creative and he can't have humor about things. That's fine, but like there's a fine line between joke or an inappropriate line. Freddie has like a creative kill to. We're doing both, you know. There, there's you can you can you can have your cake and eat it too, kind of. But uh, when you go too far down the road of joking, he starts to not be scary anymore. Um, kids, and I would say that by the time you get to bring for Freddy, so hopefully that this is you know. Bring that back, and if you're reading the kids, not necessarily. Yeah. No matter what you do, uh, you got to be creative with your kill because this nightmare right now can't just hack and slash. Oh no! You know, the, have to turn into a giant. And say you're not ready for prime time, bitch. Yeah the uh, the dream world is uh, it presents something totally different because at that point you know there's no rules and it has to be you know creative and visually appealing and just kind of beyond you know the realms of normal it has to be into you know imagination surreal so, yeah. yeah so um yeah they got- I had two other names um and one is one is Lily I came across whole And the other one was like, I don't know what this will be, but I really want to see it. Like, it could be a complete train wreck, but I really want it. Right. Um, those names were first of the one that made me like stop and go, holy shit, yes. Uh, probably best known from Inglorious Bastards as the Jew Hunter. Oh, uh, yeah. After the dentist from, uh, from Django Unchained, like, he has a manic quality, but he can on a dime stop and just become like this creepy. Like I, I think. I mean, he can, he can, he can do the genius. Just because he can on a dime, manic funny to manic creepy. Name that like this could be a total train wreck, but I guarantee you it's going to put butts in seats. 
Nicholas Cage? Oh my God, no. <laughs> no but you would watch that, right? Uh, if I told you, hey, hey, there's a Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy Krueger is Nicholas Cage. I mean, you would watch that. I would watch like, like the trailer. <laughs> And be like, there's no way that this is going to work. But. <sighs> I mean, I like it better than like, uh, uh, like if you were to say like Joaquin Phoenix. That's <laughs> This. You want? No, I mean, like, yeah. You want? You want my pick for uh, who would be Freddy? Yes, yes, I do. All right. I thought I thought long and hard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, from one movie, I feel like he would do a great job. My pick would be the new Freddy, uh, James McAvoy. And mostly from mostly from uh, all of the different uh, you know personalities of split. Yeah, like I yeah. I the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what? I betcha he could do it and do it justice. And like, I think he would do a good enough job that you know you go in not trying to be Robert England's Freddie. You try yeah. and just make Freddy your own, and like I think he has the range enough to make Freddy his own in a way that wouldn't make people, you know, all upset. And it, well, it's not my friend like Robert England. Like I think he would have a different enough take on it, but still, like he could be super creepy and then over the top, like have the witty one-liner. Um, I would watch him in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. His performance in Split is one of the most underrated, underappreciated. Yeah, he carries that movie. She is changing moods on a dime. Like, yeah, right. wow. Yeah, so that that he gets he gets my uh, official pick. If I were to pick he, one person, <laughs> he would be my pick. He no longer has any X Men obligations, right? So he's so. Free. He's free, and imagine, imagine the, uh, the, 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 you know, the buzz around it if that came out and they said James McAvoy is playing Freddy Krueger in the new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Like, people would pay attention to that. That would definitely, yeah. Uh, I, I was taking it took me a second because, like, not think of him as, but no, like he's he's a he's an amazing actor. He would definitely be not be someone trying to, you know, pantomime Robert Englund. Right. And that's what I think you really need. It's because, and again, it, like, it's almost like casting a new bond. It's like, you, 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 it's so intimidating for an actor to come in because it's like, well, I've got all these other, you know, in the case of Bond, all these other great, famous, beloved Bonds. 
want to try to do that. And at the same time, that's the only thing I can compare it to is like casting a new bond because yeah. you're, you're own different, but not completely alienating what the original actor did. Like you can't, you know, certain ways, like the way of Robert Anglin would hold his body, where he kind of like, Watches one shoulder with the way the glove kind of thing, like certain like, details like that. Like if you don't carry that through again, which is why I, in, in my version, Freddie, quote unquote, a whole new, you know, dream demon is because that gives you like a clean slate for a new actor to come in and make it their own. Because if you're still just doing Fred Krueger, uh, like there are certain things you have to have bring another actor in to just do Robert Anglin, you're setting him up for failure. Oh yeah. yeah it's, 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 uh, it's reasons I love, you know, that franchise and that character is because Freddie's got tons of personality. He's interesting to watch, uh, which is not to say that, you know, like Michael Myers and Jason, they're fun to watch, but personalities. Uh, yeah. Part of why I like six is because you have, you know, Jason. I don't know. No, James McAvoy, that's, uh, I like it. It's, uh, it's my, we don't talk about him a whole lot, but I think he's got the range and an outside the box pick of the week. Well played. And so we've talked Craven Estate. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a ring. We're here for you. Uh you know, iHeartStamos at gmail dot com. Shoot us an email. We answer it all the time. We are ready to write your script. And take your money. Crap out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We will. We will. Professionals. Yeah. Yeah. We will take your money. We will crap out at least a halfway decent script. It will make money. We promise. It'll make more sense than Suicide Squad. Hey. Gosh. Yeah. I. We can actually. I will. I would go on record as to say I would promise that we would write a movie that would make a profit. We would write a Nightmare on Elm Street movie that would create a nice profit. Involve the Ghostbusters. And it Michael might. Myers. That might you be might a, have to buy some IP from a few other companies to make our script, but that might be a deleted scene on the Blu-ray. Hey, uh, I don't know because I don't know what the copyright laws are. If you shoot something, but it's not really in the movie, but we put it as <laughs> an, as an extra. Uh, Speaking of that, and this is off topic, but I got to bring it up. So I was watching the newest two days ago, right? Uh, for some costume research, <sighs> and. Uh, Ghostbusters versus Michael Myers reference in the new Halloween movie. Is there one? When they are in... Sing up. Uh, it's right after uh, Michael's gotten away. It's like the first kills of the movies. Okay. Where, you know, Michael, he, he, he's, he's killed a mechanic and taken the suit. Right. Uh, the male podcaster guy, because I don't remember what the fucking name Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> Could have been a really cool story, but they decided to waste yeah. it. He's walking through the garage. He hears something. 
looking and he sees like the body on the floor and they cut to a shot looking at him and above his, uh, his left, your right shoulder. If you're looking at the screen up on the lift of the mechanic shop is a silver GMC. What? Mm-hmm. I'll send you the photo. I am legit uh, claiming that as a reference. So that is 100% confirmed. <sighs> yeah. There is a Michael Myers versus the Ghostbusters reference in the new Hulk. I love it. Which means that we're officially official now. And then, man. And, uh, you know, what we need to do is, um, you know, last thing, last thing before we call this one a day, um, a, like way back in the early days of talking to since we're doing a throwback episode, I can, Hell yeah, uh, we are. um, way back in the early days we posted on the Facebook page, we posted just the title card <laughs> the yeah. and I believe <laughs> the rules were every, every like, like, Every ten likes would get another screenshot, mm-hmm. and every share would get a video clip. That's right from the movie. I need to go back and look at the official rules, but I think we need to do one of those again because I feel like I am at, all for it. At that point in the in the show, I don't think we had enough. Like, because that was like episode three or four. Like, we didn't have that yeah, much of a pretty early. So maybe, especially with Halloween coming up, that might be a good October thing to do. I like it. That might be something to do for October. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. I don't know. I don't know. Seems right. It seems right. It feels right. It does feel right. You know what else feels right is uh, to go ahead and put a pin in this episode. Now that we've given you, uh, much like a throwback episode, we've given you more than two hours of content. <laughs> so it is just Don't like... Don't get us talking, we won't stop. I know, it's just like the old days, so uh, it's about time. Uh, I think that we're going to go ahead and call it. So next week, we've got a lot to look forward to next week. It's going to be another very special episode, but not for the reasons that you would think. It's going to be a bit of a... Uh, it's going to be Talk Nerdy to Me Homecoming. Uh, it's going to be a very special episode and, uh, we're going to hear all kinds of fun stories. Uh, be sure to look for the, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips interview that's going up, uh, shortly after this episode goes up and I think that's all I got. So I think we're out of studio time. I think we're done. All right. Well, uh, Obi John, it was fun taking a trip in the Wayback machine with you and doing a throwback episode. Oh, it was a good time. Had a good time, and we will see everybody else next time on Talk Nerdy to Me.